this word that's going to be going forth. And Lord, there's people all over the world that need to be hearing the truth preached. And Lord, we pray tonight that you would anoint this word, that you would speak through me in glory, power, strong anointing, Lord. Let the word of the Lord go out and let there be a washing of the water of the word to the hearers. Let it be light of truth and revelation shining forth and dispel all the darkness, the lies, the deception of the enemy and replace it with truth. Lord, I ask you to let your word go out as living seed to truth sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives, watered by the Holy Spirit. Take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. Let your word be a mighty hammer, Lord, that, I mean, just breaks down every stronghold of the enemy, tears it down like the walls of Jericho. They'll just come crashing down. And let your word, Lord, be a sword that cuts away everything that needs to go. But we believe for the wind of your spirit to carry the word of the Lord from River of Life out everywhere it's supposed to go. We believe you, Lord, for your holy angels to help guard the word and make sure it gets where it's supposed to go. And Lord, let your word go forth and accomplish everything you've sent it forth to do as your, as the Bible says that your word will do. But let it be rhema and manna in River of Life and not just like a logos word, but it's a rhema word. What are you speaking for us here and now? We thank you for it. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm part 11 of deep consecration. I'm going to deal with the power of the Holy Spirit. I dealt with the power of communion to some degree when we had the Passover Seder. I've dealt a lot with that in the past. If people want to learn more about that, there's the Priesthood of Believers series that we have on our website for free. There's a, uh, one of the parts in there has to do with the table of showbread. And that deals with communion. Also, there's a small series I did on prayer, going deeper in prayer, that deals with that very issue. So if you guys are a little cold, just punch it up a couple degrees. Would you agree? Is it okay? Okay. It's a, if you guys are cold, if not, it's fine. I'm fine like I am. All right. So I also dealt last week, Spinal Prophecy Part 10, dealt with the power of water immersion. Okay. So let's go ahead now and deal with part 11, and we're dealing with the power of the Spirit. 1 Peter 1 and 2, if you're taking notes, this would be something to underline here in a moment, but it says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Okay, that's something I want you to kind of underline, highlight, or whatever, but mark that the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, part of what he does is he sanctifies us. In fact, William Seymour, it was really interesting when I was reading some of his teaching, he viewed the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He viewed that as God's sanctification. And he would refer to it when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit that they had been sanctified unto God. And I thought that was really interesting how closely he equated the, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon people, tongues, but an increase of the power. Because when we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we're born again, there's a measure of the Spirit that lives in us. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. There's a garment, a clothing of power. The gifts of the Spirit begin to activate. And it's interesting to me that William Seymour puts such an emphasis on the sanctification. And it says, going on in this scripture here, it says, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. All right, so I'm going to come back to this sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So let me just flow here with some things I wrote down. But in the Bible, this is really interesting to me. If you know the feast of the Lord and you know when they occur in the you know timeline throughout the year, and you also start putting the pieces of the puzzle together of when Jesus was actually born and all of that, it looks as though it's possible that Jesus might have been conceived at Hanukkah. But I am convinced for sure in my heart, and I've looked into this like the timeline, that he was born on tabernacles. I'm convinced of that. And it seems to indicate that John the Baptist might have been born at Passover. So, you know, these, these timing things that you see in the scriptures, I don't have time to put all the pieces together for it, but there's reason to believe that in the scripture when you look at the timeline and put the pieces of the puzzle together 
But wouldn't it be interesting if Jesus was conceived at Hanukkah because it has to do with the cleansing of the temple, doesn't it? And it wouldn't it be interesting if he was born on tabernacles, which I believe he was because of this right here I'm about to show you. Just as Moses' tabernacle, follow me for a second, Moses' tabernacle, just oversimplifying this for a moment, was clothed in skins, animal skins over it, but it was over wooden beams. In the same way, the living word of God, Jesus, became clothed in skin and bones to come dwell among us. And the first chapter of John says that the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The word dwelled is tabernacled. And that's just another reason why I believe Jesus was born on tabernacles. But nonetheless, Jesus is the living word of God. And if you'll follow my line of thinking for a moment, he is the, the Torah, if you will, that became flesh. He's the only human being that was ever able to keep the law perfectly. Jesus never broke one. You understand there's not a jot or a tittle, anything about the word that Jesus did not fulfill and perfectly keep. And nobody else ever did that or ever could do that. But he was God in the flesh. So God came down and put his DNA into the womb of Mary and used Mary's biological system to wrap flesh and bone around his DNA, his word, and Christ was brought forth through that womb into the earth as perfectly 100% God, as the living, breathing word of God, the living, breathing, walking, talking word of God. Isn't that an amazing thought? Now, here's another interesting thought about this. Jesus is the walking, living Torah, the word of God, and the Jews stumbled over him. It's interesting because even though he was the word of God made flesh and he preached the word, he lived the word, perfectly kept the word, they stumbled over him. They, they tripped over the word. And isn't it interesting today that still to this day, Christians even stumble over the Torah, the, the Old Testament, because they don't understand it. They stumble and trip over that. And, and it's the same thing. Let me say it this way. The same stumbling block is there for everybody. But you have to be humble and let this Holy Spirit help you so you don't stumble over the word. Amen? And see, if we properly understand the Old Testament, then we understand that we are in the spirit of the law. And I'll give you a quick example real fast of, of just trying to help you understand what I mean by that. In the Old Testament times, they had to eat a certain way. They had to have a kosher diet. They couldn't eat shellfish. They couldn't eat pork, things like that. So... Now, in the New Testament time, the spirit of the law that we have, God is trying to tell you and I that if we're eating on spiritual garbage, it'll kill us. It'll kill you. If you're sitting there watching people take their clothes off and have sex as a Christian, you're watching that, you're feeding on that garbage, it's going to spiritually kill you. It will drive a wedge between you and God. You see what I'm saying? If you watch this garbage, you listen to this, this garbage that's out there in the world, some of the music that's out there that is garbage. Not all of it is, but some of it is. If you're listening to garbage, eating garbage, feeding on garbage, it's going to kill you spiritually. So they had what they had in the natural, we have in the spiritual. I was just reading, looking over the Old Testament the other day, just reading some of the stuff I read. I read Old New Testament every day pretty much. And there was a, there was a passage that said not for the... Jewish people under law were not supposed to castrate animals. That was interesting. And I thought it was interesting because I was praying about it. And in Old Testament times as well, when, they, when nations would go to war, sometimes the, the army that won would castrate men of the other, you know. And I got to thinking about praying about it. And you know what I felt the Lord show me how that's applicable for us today? Is because, you know, Whenever the, the Jewish people of the Old Testament time looked at Gentiles that were like idolatrous nations, uncircumcised Gentiles, they looked down on them as almost like animals, if you will. You know, they looked down on them. Just like David looked down on the Philistines, looked down on Goliath. And a lot of times, Christians, we have to be careful because we might see another Christian or another ministry that we don't agree with and we don't understand 
we don't understand where they're coming from we don't agree with them but just because you don't agree with them you better be careful to not start going to war and attacking them and trying to kill their fruitfulness for God y'all hearing me I believe that that's applicable for us today in that way that even though we don't understand and we don't agree and there's things that I don't agree with but I'm not going to start attacking them and going to war against them and trying to kill their fruitfulness for God So I'm just trying to show you how that the word can be a stumbling block, but if we have the Holy Spirit helping us, we understand that what in the Old Testament was the letter, we have the fullness today in the spirit. Jesus is the living tabernacle. So what, what they had in the Old Testament as the actual physical tabernacle, now we are the tabernacle. Right, I think you get the point. So with that said... I've talked about the power of communion. Last week I talked about it, the power of immersion. So let me go ahead and show you some things. I really want you to get this because I believe that the power of immersion, I've dealt so much with communion, I'm not going to keep going back over that right now. How many of you guys heard last week's sermon? Okay, most everybody. All right, so I'm not going to go back over that, but I want you to see something. In Luke 7, 28... Jesus was speaking here and he said I say to you among those born of women there was no one greater than John this was John the Baptist there's no one greater than John yet he who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he now let me just say this I, I'm going to read this but then I'm going to go back and give you some stuff because when I first read this I wanted to really understand it deeply so I started looking at the Greek words and so I put parentheses there, and I kind of put Scott's Amplified Version, okay, to help you understand. This helped me understand it, so just follow me. All right, so let me read it without my additions, okay? So verse 29, look at this. It says, when all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized by the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for themselves, not having been baptized by John. So I wanted to understand that more deeply. So I really studied out the Greek there and I kind of wrote some things in so this is my version here but it says this when all the people and the tax collectors heard this now you gotta understand that tax collectors were viewed as heathen everybody say heathen all right they were major heathen in fact Jesus said when you go to somebody in private take witnesses take for the church and they still won't listen to you know disassociate with them and treat them like you would a pagan or a tax collector so these these were heathen but it was interesting to me that even the heathen came out to get things right. Let me, let me read to you this. Now, this is me adding out of the Greek what I believe this is trying to say. When all the people and the tax collectors, the heathen, heard this, they acknowledged God's justice. They agreed with God's righteous standards. Having been baptized with the baptism of John, they got things right with God and repented of their sins. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for them, not having been baptized by John. They did not get things right in their hearts. They did not get ready for Christ's coming. So see, what happened was John, through a message of repentance and through immersion, was getting people right with God. So when Jesus came, they were ready. Let me tell you something. I believe that the Lord is really about to show up in River of Life I really do. I don't just say that. I mean, I really feel like he's going to increase his presence. I've already told you all that. He showed me he's going to increase his presence really powerful. And there's a harvest he has, things like that. And it's really going to be something. It's going to surprise some people. But when Jesus comes, we have to have been made ready for his coming. And it's just like in the temple time. Jesus, it said first he came in, you know, right before Passover and he drove out the tax collectors he cleansed the temple he was purging the leaven out for his father he was purifying god's house but but then after he cleansed the temple then you read about him coming to the temple and there was preaching there was healing the sick things like that but for revival to come to the temple first it had to be cleansed So I believe what God is doing in River of Life is a very deep consecration unto him. 
you guys spent the month of March praying, fasting, um, really confessing things, dealing with things. We had Passover. Really at Purim, we, we anointed people. We had Passover. And I'm telling you, it's just like this deep cleansing God's doing. And you can start feeling, even tonight, you can feel the, the presence of the Lord increasing. And it's going to keep increasing as long as we keep going with him and letting him prepare our hearts and our lives. So it's interesting to me that water immersion seems to help prepare people for a visitation from God. Let me say that again. I find it interesting to me that when Jesus first came, that water immersion helped prepare them to receive his ministry. And people that refused immersion and they refused to get right with God, they were self-righteous is what it was. They did not, they were not ready to receive Christ's ministry when he came. They rejected him. Repentance of sins and immersion was used in Christ's first coming to help prepare the way. I hope y'all catch some of these little nuggets I'm throwing out tonight. Just as immersion was part of the preparation for Christ's first coming, I believe that the Lord is going to do a deep work of calling people to a deep consecration to prepare us for his second coming, which I believe is not that far off. I will be very surprised if it's not in our lifetime because the Bible says when you see all these things, that generation right there won't pass away till the Lord comes, and we're seeing all of it. So I really believe the coming's near. And I'm just saying to those that will listen to me, let's make straight the paths of the Lord. You know, let's get our hearts right. Let's, let's get consecrated and get ready. I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Some people say, well, why do you want to be raptured? Why want to be with him? I, I, you know, he left the Seder unfinished. I want to be there to finish it with him. I want to be at the marriage supper. All right. Now, here's a couple more things. I'm going to move off this, so catch this, okay? Before Israel really entered their promised land, they went through another immersion. That's interesting. They were baptized into Moses at the Red Sea, and then they, they wandered in the wilderness. But before they went into their promised land, the first thing that God did was they went through the Jordan. They were immersed through the Jordan. It was another baptism. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting before Israel took their promised land that God had to circumcise all the young men that hadn't been circumcised. They had to go through another water immersion. Then they get on the other side of that water immersion and they sat down with Joshua and they, they had a celebration of Passover. And then right after all of that, then they start taking the promised land. Isn't that interesting that Jericho fell but it fell before people that had deeply consecrated themselves unto God. Are y'all catching this? So could it be that immersion has to do with moving into your promised land? Some of you, your promised land is different things. You know, it could be your calling, but it also could be a breakthrough in health or finances or whatever. But you're believing God for a promised land, things that you feel he's promised you in his word. I believe that this deep consecration unto God and part of that is immersion. I believe that that's going to help play into you taking your land, so to speak. And then I'll give you one more nugget real quick about immersion. I find it interesting to me that when Elijah was leaving in a fiery chariot and he dropped his mantle down, that whenever Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah, and now what did Elisha pray? Lord, give me a double portion. Now, how many knows that's a big prayer? Because what God was doing through Elijah was amazing, mighty man of God. And so here, Elisha's been praying, but for Elisha now to move into his destiny and move into his promised land, if you will, and come into a new level of anointing, he took, he took Elijah's mantle and struck the Jordan, and he crossed through the Jordan. There was an immersion that played into that. Is anybody kind of catching what I'm saying here tonight? I really believe that this deep consecration that we're doing, some of it has to do with immersion, is, is going to help people come into their promised land and come into their increase of anointing. And I really believe River of Life is about to see a substantial increase of anointing and the glory, thick glory of God. 
God's preparing us for something significant. All right, so let me move from immersion now to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So up until this point where I'm preaching here, John was baptizing people, which was nothing new. Um, repenting of your sins, being immersed, the, the mikveh, all of that was extremely common in their culture. And this probably was taking place in the fall when they have what they call a season of teshuva anyway, where the nation is really getting things right with God, preparing for Yom Kippur. So this would have just flowed right into what they were already doing. But John was a prophet crying out, saying um, not only that they should be repenting of their sin and they needed to get immersed, but he was saying, prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. So he was adding now, because they had already been thinking about, well, you know, I need to get things right with God. I, I, this is the time to be immersed. But there was this prophet out in the wilderness saying, yeah, but you're not just doing this like you did last year. I'm telling you now to prepare for the coming of the Lord. Make straight paths. And so he was a prophet that was preparing Christ's coming. But it was interesting that as he was immersing with water, listen to what he says. Matthew 3.11, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than I, and I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will thoroughly clear the threshing floor. He will gather his wheat into the barn, and he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So let me explain that last part. Back in those days, they would gather the grain into a threshing floor. It was a big pile. And they would take a winnowing fork and they would toss it up in the air and the wind, the wind would come through and it, the wind would separate the chaff over here in a pile, but the grain would fall down here. And so they would keep doing that, the chaff over here. The, and pretty soon they separated the grain from the chaff. And the chaff over there would just simply be swept out, removed and burned but the grain would be gathered up and stored in a barn. And so what John's saying here, Jesus is coming to separate who's real and who isn't. Did y'all catch that? He's coming in to start letting the wind of the Spirit move, and he's going to separate who's real and who isn't. And when Jesus comes in, he'll separate out of us the chaff that needs to go when we're repentant, no doubt. But he also will come in and separate the real people that follow him that are really the real deal he'll separate them from those that are not he comes in to clean house doesn't he and so it says he will baptize us with the holy spirit and with fire what does fire do fire purges us it cleanses us so the holy spirit as i opened with the holy spirit part of what he does is the sanctifying work within us you know, we've, we've taken the Lord's Supper, we had Passover, we've done things to really consecrate ourselves in the blood, and we're going to be consecrating ourselves through immersion here as a church, and we've, we've gone through and anointed people with oil, but now I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit also is a great sanctifier, and he'll come in with his holy fire and begin to burn out of you the old desires, the worldliness, the carnality things that are of the devil he'll begin to burn out and cleanse out all that old garbage out of us and he'll put in us a fire for the things of God a hunger for the things of God and so the Holy Spirit he plays a key role so the person and work of the Holy Spirit he is a sanctifier he comes like a refining fire um, the crucible for silver you know there's a there's a fire being put in the fire of God and the Lord just burning up all that junk. Remember, remember what, um, what was his name? Brother Zach just preached on him last time. Send the fire. William Booth. All right, William Booth. Remember, he said, Lord, here on your altar we lay our lives today. You know, and he talked about crowning the altar with the fire. Listen, the heart cry of true Christians is, Lord, I lay my life on the altar as a living sacrifice. Now send your fire and burn everything out of me that's not of you. And let me burn for you. But see, that's where Jesus baptizes you into the Holy Ghost and with fire. But the holy fire of heaven, the Holy Spirit will burn all that pollution out. How many want that? So when the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to change everything. He begins to change the way we think. He'll give us power to overcome sin. He'll change our desires. And the Lord comes with his mighty gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
he releases his gifts of revelation where all of a sudden we're seeing things we never saw before the discerning of spirits we see things the uh, words of wisdom words of knowledge when we need those gifts and he'll bring vocal gifts he'll bring prophecy tongues interpretation he'll bring revelation to us as we need it but he also comes and brings the power gifts where we're able to have faith and operate in healings and miracles we could have never done it's a gift you understand the gift of faith the gift of healing the gift of working of miracles and i believe that in the days to come in river of life we've had revelation gifts very strong and we've had vocal gifts but the power gifts are coming big time they've been there in part but they're really about to explode and we're going to start seeing more healings and miracles so we need the sanctifying work of the holy spirit don't we we need him to come just like tonight i feel different in his presence but when he comes he begins to deal with things heal us and cleanse us and deliver us so think about these things about the holy spirit the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives in us and gives life to our body think about that for a moment the holy spirit that raised jesus from the dead lives in you and will quicken and make alive your body he brings healing he brings deliverance I'll never forget let me go back to the healing I'll never forget one time there was this this man when I was in Bible school that was one of my professors he was a really sweet guy he was a pastor of a church and they I, I didn't know well I kind of had an idea because I saw him wearing like some really old suits from like the 60s so what's going on and, but he wouldn't say anything and I kind of got it through the grapevine from his daughter that he was doing like a 40 day fast and he was a big guy so he had lost a lot of weight and so he had to go back and wear suits he wore back in the 60s and stuff like that but anyway so I was um, I went to his church and I was battling the flu I mean I was really sick but I didn't want to miss church and so I was there and I was really just you know receiving and I loved hearing him preach but I was so tired, it was difficult just to walk across the room. Anybody ever been that sick? I mean, where you walk across the room and you're like, I gotta sit down. That's how sick I was, I was drained. And he had been on this fast and he goes through there praying for people and I said, well, man, I'm getting prayer, you know? So I go down there and I'm standing there and I'm serious, I was so weak that it was hard just to stand there. He walks by me and prays for me and I felt the power of God shoot through me, I fell down. And when I got up off the floor, I knew God had begun something, I could feel it man something's going on so I go and sit down I'm already feeling better by the end of the day it was like from that time was lunch I went and ate lunch I felt better I felt good enough to eat lunch by dinner time I was 100% so I saw him this was on Sunday so I saw him Monday in class you know because he was one of my teachers and so I said uh, pastor his last name's Clonch pastor Clonch I gotta tell you listen God heal me he just smiled you know I said y'all been on that fast you know see <laughs> so God healed me man touch me and uh, but God really was moving at that time in that church and I, I really loved it it was really powerful but see the Holy Spirit brings healing he what happened was the Holy Spirit came in and gave life to my body and I needed it. I was hurting and so not only will the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead give life to our bodies but also the Spirit of God comes and brings deliverance okay the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom so the Holy Spirit will work to break things off people and set people free and that's the difference I love you know all Christians but the the churches and the ministries that don't have the power of the Holy Spirit they don't have the ability by the Holy Spirit to see the level of deliverances and healings that they could see and a classic example was a man if you, you know people want to read his testimony but a man named Don Dickerman here in our area told he has a, a powerful testimony and what happened was he was a Baptist preacher ministering in the 70s 80s I believe that time frame in prisons and he was ministering in all these prisons but he was frustrated because all these guys would come down and get saved but then they would get out and he would see them right back in jail their lives weren't changed and he was so frustrated and he he really truly was going to get out of the ministry just completely he felt like giving up he felt like you know I've worked so hard to see such little fruit of change in people and he was a Baptist guy you know so he didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this this man had heard from God and had a prophetic word for him and came to him and he said I had a vision of the Lord Jesus taking you 
and dipping you in like oil, like baptizing you into oil, and the Lord anointed you for ministry. And he said, okay, well, it happened. He got hit by the power of God, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That impartation, the anointing came. And now, whenever he got back from this little mini vacation and was ministering, all of a sudden, demons started manifesting, coming out of people. And people started getting healed. One of the first things that happened was he saw that there was somebody that had like a spiritual rat gnawing on their stomach. And what happened was that man had had something like cancer or something in his stomach, and he commanded that thing to leave, and it left. He was totally healed. So there was a, there, the anointing brought deliverance and healing where he didn't have it before. And so now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, people's lives are being changed, and he felt encouraged now because it was really making an impact where it wasn't before. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit to see the things Jesus saw. So Jesus, when he lived and moved among you know, us here on earth, the three and a half years that he ministered, he didn't do things in the office of the Son of God as much as he did under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And most of us believe the reason why is because he was setting an example for us to follow. So what I'm saying is this. Jesus cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. He healed the sick by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he told the early church, go wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he had trained them to do the same things that he did, which they did. And the same is true for us today. We just need to be clothed with power. So it's the anointing that makes the difference. And let me say something in passing here as well. I believe that the ministry of God's holy angels as well are, are very significant. I don't put a lot on this. I, I don't downplay it, but I don't talk a lot about it because I don't want people getting overly fascinated with angels okay we need to be overly fascinated with jesus they're just here to help but let me tell you though if you read the book of hebrews in context and you read it and you study this out you'll find that this is true it says how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation we always talk about that as being born again saved but really it was talking about the delivering protection of the angels that were sent to help protect and deliver God's people how can we escape if we neglect their ministry is what it's actually saying so listen what I'm saying is this God sends them to help us because we need their help bottom line we need their help and let me tell you something the holy ministering angels of the Lord when they come and I believe that they're they're at work okay they also help to sanctify they minister they help God's people get sanctified they help God's people get healed and delivered of things. They just do, okay? And there's a story in the Bible in Zechariah where a high priest named Joshua, not the one, the conquest of Canaan, but there was a high priest named Joshua, and he was standing there, and he, his uh, priestly garments, like up there, were, were dirty. They were defiled. And Satan was accusing him. And this angel came, and the angel took away the old dirty garments and gave him new clean ones. This was a spiritual thing that happened. And the angel said to the devil, the Lord rebuke you. Now it's interesting that the angel of the Lord came and helped that priest get consecrated spiritually. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I believe that the ministering angels come and they really do help us to get consecrated unto God. Their ministry is significant. And we do need to um, ask the Lord to send them and we do need to ask the Lord to release them to help the work of the Lord go forth but keep our focus on Jesus and not the angels okay so this is part of the sanctifying work so I talked about the communion the water baptism the anointing with oil now I'm trying to talk about this that I believe that there is a ministry of the anointing the power of the Holy Spirit that will help us to get free and become everything God's called us to be. There's also a ministry of angels being sent, and there's also a washing of the water of the Word of God. When preachers get up and preach the truth and just try to help people and preach the truth, the water of the Word goes out and washes over them. When we read the Bible for ourselves and pray about things, there's a washing of the water of the Word. So I'm adding those three, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of angels, and the washing of the water of the Word. So God is deeply consecrating us, and these are things that he's going to use, okay? 
I've got so many different little angel stories. In my, I really do. I have several that I could tell, and they, some of them happened to me. I remember one that happened to Rachel, actually. <clears throat> but I'll just tell you one real quick that happened that nobody really knows about, but happened to me just to increase your faith about this. We were at that other church down the road, which I don't want to say the name on tape, but we were, we were there using their facility at the time, which that church didn't even exist. It's a different thing now. But anyway, we were renting a space. And I was up there praying, and I didn't realize that there was maybe some spiritual warfare about to go on. But I was praying, and I, while I was walking, I, I ran into the presence of God. It was so strong that it jolted me and I almost fell backward but what happened was I walked into an angel I didn't realize it. I'm just walking praying my normal business you know boom I walk into him and I jolt back and like this and he's right he's big and he's looking down at me like this and he said release me like that and I said well go in Jesus name and I'm serious this is what happened it was the craziest thing and I felt him I felt him take off out I was like that was crazy and so I finished praying right I never told anybody hardly anybody about this well, let me tell you what happened. Why did he come and why did he say release me? Because I'm going to tell you that in God's kingdom, they operate under authority. And I'm the authority at this church. That's just the way it is. And he, he needed me to release him. Okay. That week, <clears throat> I had several different things happen. That was that week, Sandy will remember, where that like crowbar or something flew. She, had, she almost had some dangerous things happen to her at work. Pastor Stephen almost had a wreck that week on the bridge at the harbor. And see, I didn't tell anybody about this, but I've, I've got different people telling me stuff. Man, I had this close encounter. I almost got really hurt. I almost had a wreck. I almost had this. And I knew that God had sent the angel in front to get in my face. <laughs> Release me, you know. I was like, well, go. And, and he, was, he was going out to protect you guys. And he literally blocked things from happening. Okay. So they are sent. I've got several stories like that, but I don't like talking about because I don't want people to look at all that. Jesus sent the angel because we needed it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. But they do help and they do make a big difference. I'll tell you one more that happened in Toronto. Actually, this was a neat story. There was a guy, when I'm telling you, when you run into these, I mean, they're all around, they're, they're all around us here, you know, but I'm just saying when you, when you bump into them and you see them or something, it's a crazy experience. But there was this guy that was in Toronto and um, they were worshiping and praying there. And he's worshiping and praying at the Toronto Revival. And he looks over and there's this huge angel standing there. Now, what would you do, man? He, he was just, you know, it was one of those things where he was kind of saying stupid stuff because it shocked him, you know. And he's telling this testimony. Actually, I don't know if Sandy remembers, but he was telling this testimony when we were there um, January 2014 for the 20-year anniversary. So they had different people coming up and telling different things that happened to them in the revival. Well, his story was this angel story. And he said there was this huge angel, and it's kind of scared him and intimidated him, and he felt weird. And He's like, what in the world do you say? He's looking at this angel. And he was funny telling the story, too. I was laughing. But he said that the only thing that just came out was, well, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> and the angel said something to the effect of, you wouldn't be able to pronounce it anyway or something like that. And the guy said, the guy said this angel was completely 100% disinterested in me. He did not care that I was there. He didn't really want me talking to him. He was just there. It was like he was there on assignment, and I was a nuisance asking him questions. <laughs> and, um, and he finally, he asked the angel one more question. He said, well, why are you here? And listen to this. He said, I'm here as one of the guardians of the presence of God. Let that sink in. And there was around 4 million people came to that revival in Toronto where the presence of God was so amazing. You know, it took the fire literally all over the world. So they, they, they are sent. In Brownsville, there was, um, the, the revival had broken out. People were getting touched powerfully, powerfully. Brownsville, 
I've, I've actually seen this, so I know what they're talking about. On one of the videos that we have that I've shown you, you can also see it. But sometimes the glory of God was so strong in that church that you could see they had a huge ceiling that went up like this at a point, and lights were all over up there. But you sometimes the glory was so strong that you could literally see a blue haze at the top, like a smoky blue haze of God's glory. And it's actually on one of the videos, you can see it. But I remember that there was a little girl that had been touched by God, and she was standing there like this, and she was crying, and she was shaking, and she was crying so much that right here on her shirt was wet from tears. This is a little bitty girl. Little kids usually don't sit still for very long, but this little girl had been there for a while and was covered in tears, and she was she was saying, and, and Pastor Kilpatrick, I'm sorry, Pastor Kilpatrick could hear her, but it was kind of noisy, but she was saying, Mommy, Mommy, do you see him? Do you see him? And the mother was kind of like worshiping, and she was like, what are you talking about, sweetie, like this, you know? And she goes, the angels right there holding hands. And she was seeing the angels up there. And before revival broke out at Brownsville, there was a doctor that came with his wife, and these were people that were really, you know, medical doctors. They, a lot of times these people don't believe in the supernatural. And I heard them talking about their testimony. And they said that the wife of the doctor was there. This was before the revival broke out. And she was she had a look of fear. And her husband didn't know what was going on with her. And after the service, she told Pastor Kilpatrick, this was before the revival broke out. She said, I was scared because the whole time that you were preaching today, she said there were two angels that stood on each side of you just back a little bit and every time you would leave and go over here they would go with you and then you would leave and come over here and they'd go with you over here and she said it just frightened me to see that you know and I'm not sure if this is the same people I think that it was but medical doctors that when the revival broke out they got touched by God and it was so strong that their physical bodies you know you guys have felt the glory where you can kind of not function very well that happened to them well, they got home, and they were trying to figure out why they couldn't move very well and function, so they started thinking medical. <laughs> they started thinking, is there something medically going on? Do we need to look at this? I mean, has something happened to us here, you know? They didn't understand because they were doctors. So they were used to analyzing it, you know, in their minds, but it was the glory. All right, so anyway, I just said that to strengthen your faith about some things tonight, but let me close with this. So anointed for service, Isaiah ten twenty seven. So it will be in that day that his burden will be removed from his shoulders and his, and his yoke from his neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. And the anointing there can be translated fatness. And what it means is that the power of God causes us to swell up in strength, and it breaks off the old. How many of you guys have had some time in your Christian life where you really struggle with something, but then the power of God came in and strengthened you and now you're able to walk victorious over that thing. Okay, I have. All right, that's what I'm talking about here. This scripture means that the anointing causes like a spiritual fatness, like a strengthening, a swelling up in strength, and it breaks off the old. It breaks off the old yoke so you can walk in victory. So a deep consecration prepares the way for the anointing to destroy Satan's kingdom. How many want to see the devil's works destroyed, his kingdom obliterated? There's a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's going to happen in these last days and is happening. Many people have seen the wave that hit in the 90s, which was substantial, was a small wave compared to what's coming. I believe that to be true. They saw that the wave of the 90s was just a preparation. And then many people that were touched in the 90s were going to end up being used very powerfully in the next wave, which will be substantially bigger. So if... You know, for example, you know, what Rodney saw and what Toronto, Toronto saw like 4 million people come. Interestingly enough, Brownsville counted around 4 million people coming as well. The world was shaken by the power of God like that in the 90s. What's, what's it going to look like when he comes in greater measure? So there's a major, major move of God on the horizon. Are y'all hungry for it? And the, the prophecies have been, and I believe them to be true, that all of America will be ablaze and the fires of revival in Dallas will be a hub. So there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what God is doing, he's going to fill us as the wise virgins. He's going to fill us with extra oil 
to prepare us for his coming. Remember Esther soaking in the oil? And the power of God will sweep in the harvest and prepare a bride for Christ's coming. I'm going to tell you, it takes the power of God to see souls saved. I, I tell that story because it's so, it's such a good story for this about a guy I met named Vern. You guys have heard the story. He came to fix my air conditioner. I tried to witness to him. He shut me down, man. His name was Vern. <laughs> he shut me down. Vern said, I don't want to hear none of this. He told me he works with a preacher and he hears about it every day. He don't want to hear it anymore. And so I was about to give up. I'm sitting there talking to him face to face, trying to witness to him. I said, well, all right, Vern, I was about to say, I'll see you later, man. Just fix my AC. And while I'm talking to him, I'm about to leave. All of a sudden, the power of God comes on him, and he starts shaking and weeping, and, and, and he's just like, not really crying, but he's shaking, his lips quivering. He looks like he's about to cry. And he says, what's going on, man? <laughs> and I say, well, Vern, this is exactly what I told him. I said, Jesus is trying to save you if you'll let him. And he said, okay, pray with me. I didn't do anything. I didn't even do a good job of witnessing. He didn't even listen to much I had to say. But it was the power of God that touched him. And what does the Bible say in Acts 1.8? It says, when the Spirit comes upon you in power, then you'll be my witnesses. Let me tell you, you, we can't save anybody. No man can come unless the Father draw him, and the Father does it by the Spirit of God. It takes the anointing, Okay. So we got to believe God. And just like Duncan Campbell and Hebrides, what happened? Those old ladies be praying, and they said, Duncan, go to such and such area. The Spirit of God had already fell. Those people were under the conviction, man. Duncan would get there. Some of them would be on the ground, and Duncan would just get them all saved. But the power of God had already fell. And so we need the Spirit of God to come down and bring in a harvest. Amen. So here's what I want to close with right here is a prophetic warning for river of life. Y'all ready? Take this to heart. Really give me your best ear for a moment. Those that are live streaming, those that are listening to this by recording, please hear me, okay? Don't lose your fire or your passion for God. The Lord has caused there to be right now, if y'all please hear me, since Passover, there has been something that is beginning to open up like a window that's beginning to open up that has to do with restoration do not miss your window and let me show you how you can miss your window in Judges chapter 20 if you want to do a Bible study this next week read that chapter okay Judges chapter 20 Benjamin had some horrible sin go on in the land of Benjamin and the rest of Israel heard about it and wanted Benjamin to give them those heathens so they could execute him. Well, Benjamin said, we're not giving to you. It starts a civil war. So Israel has to go to war against Benjamin to deal with these few heathen. So they pray, and God tells Israel, the rest of the tribes, go to war. They go to war and lose. Y'all please hear me today, okay? They go to war and lose. They heard from God. So then they pray again, and the Lord said, go again. So they go to war again a second time and lose a second time. So this would have been really discouraging. So they're now they've lost thousands and thousands of their people, you know, thousands of their men died, and they're very discouraged, and they pray and they fast all day the next day, and they say, Lord, shall we go? And the Lord says, go, you will be victorious. And so the third time they went, they won. And let me just warn you that you've prayed about something before and you've prayed about it again. You better keep praying about it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If you get into doubt and unbelief and don't step out in faith, you may miss your window. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? You prayed about it before and you've prayed about it again and you haven't seen the breakthrough. You better keep praying about it. You better lay hold of it. This is your window. But if you get into doubt and unbelief or you get into fear or you allow apathy and complacency, you know, I saw some, some pastors that, you know, were pastors in my family back in many years ago, back in the 90s, I saw them. And I'd been in the ministry now for a long time and they told me, they said, well, we couldn't say a lot of things to you back then, but said now that you're in the ministry, you kind of see how people really are. 
no offense to anybody within the sound of my voice, but they were, I understood what they meant. And I've sat right here and told not that long ago, months ago, and you guys will remember, and I prophesied, if there's some people within the sound of my voice, if they don't get things right, they're not going to be here much longer. God's going to cut them out. And they did not deal with the idolatry in their life, and they did not deal with the sexual immorality in their life, and they're not here right now. And the warning was there, but they didn't listen, you know. We've got to listen to the voice of the Lord. And the thing was, the, the most interesting thing to me is none of us, they didn't get into a fight with anybody. Nobody had, a, nothing happened. They just disappeared. So we've got to hear the Lord and move with him. And I'm telling you by the Spirit of God that there's a window that's opening. It's beginning to open. It's gradually opening. And if you will lay hold of the promises of God for your healing, for your deliverance, for your breakthrough, for your restoration, that you're going to see things happen now in the coming days that you did not see in the past. But you better lay hold of it. David was at Ziklag. He had been wandering in caves for years. The Amalekites come in, steal everything. He's discouraged. His own men wanted to kill him. But what happened? He had to encourage himself in the Lord. And there's times that we've got to learn to just encourage ourselves in God and strengthen ourselves in him and say to ourselves, look, I've been wandering in caves. The devil has come in and tried to plunder. I've been through difficulty. But God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to seek you. What do you want me to do? I'm going to press in for the victory that you paid for me to have and you want me to have. Something is opening up for people, I'm telling you. I feel it, I feel it already beginning. So let me just read these things and we'll pray. Many are on the verge of a great breakthrough. It's already begun. This is a season of restoration we're entering. But Satan will no doubt try to attack with complacency, lukewarmness, and apathy. Don't get complacent. Now's not the time to stop praying and stop going to church, etc. This is the time to press into God. And don't allow doubt, fear, and unbelief in. And people that give into this can miss their window. Don't miss your opportunity. 